Father God, you call us to righteousness and to light. As we study your word, teach us so that we may love your children even as you do. That we may love you with all our will and our strength. And that we may find our freedom in serving you as taught to us in word and deed by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week's Old Testament reading told the story of the call of the young fellow Jeremiah to be a prophet. And today's Old Testament reading tells the dramatic story of God calling Isaiah to be a prophet. And then our reading from Luke's Gospel tells the story of Jesus calling Simon, James, and John. So listen now for God's word for us as we read the first eight verses of the sixth chapter of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called in the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraphs touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. Now turning to the fifth chapter of Luke's gospel, notice the contrast from last week's text. You remember last week we read of how the people of Jesus' hometown, synagogue, and Nazareth, they were ready to throw him off a cliff. But here beside a lake, the crowd is pushing in so much, so close, so thick, as they try to get close enough to see him and be able to hear him, that Jesus borrows a boat for a pulpit. Now, I mentioned that Luke calls this lake Gennesaret. Well, that's a local name for what we know as the Sea of Galilee. The setting on this lake is dramatic. Towering over Galilee is Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is huge, 9,100 feet high above sea level. And most of the year, it's covered with snow. When the snow melts, that water flows down into the River Jordan, which flows into the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. And you can see from there Mount Hermon 9,000 feet above. So it's a majestic sight. I have read that 
It's as majestic as the view of Pikes Peak from Colorado Springs, which I know more about. I've been to Pikes Peak, <laughs> Colorado Springs. And those who've been to the Sea of Galilee, perhaps you've seen that tall mountain. Well, one day into this dramatic scenery came a preacher named Jesus. We'll read the first 11 verses of the fifth chapter of Luke's gospel. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the, the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them or washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long and I caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled for their partners and the other boat to come over and help them, and they they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter said it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. When our son Paul was about four or five, like so many children that age, he became fascinated with dinosaurs. And along the way, somehow, somehow that also led to a fascination with sharks. So our family visited the those huge jaws on display down at the North Carolina Museum of Natural History. We visited sharks in all three of North Carolina's aquariums. And eventually, well, eventually, you know, we just had to see that 1975 movie by Steven Spielberg, Jaws. Based on Peter Benchley's book with that iconic John Williams soundtrack, you know, the unforgettable. In fact, when Paul was in middle school, he got to play that on the bass in a concert. Well, in one of the most famous scenes, there are three guys out on the sea searching for the killer shark. 
And as police chief Brody is doing that stinky job of chumming the water, you know, throwing those fish pieces and all that bloody stuff into the water, trying to attract the big shark, the scientist played by Richard Dreyfuss is up at the wheel and suddenly surging from the water is that, and a stunning sight is that huge shark. Seems to be as big as the boat. And that's when Chief Brody utters the movie's most memorable catchphrase. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> well, you know, I was holding something. In case, case you don't get that scary kind of idea, this is one of Paul's books I borrowed for today. <laughs> He's got posters much bigger, much scarier. And in case you can't see it well enough from there, uh, there's the teeth. <laughs> in fact, Betty was remembering when Paul was going to preach in Plymouth, they, they stopped by one of the uh, displays and they had a whole section of stuff you could sort through and find shark's teeth. We've got quite a collection at our house. Well, as I read Luke's story of Simon Peter and his partners and their boats, filling to the nets filling to breaking, the boats being overwhelmed to the point of sinking, I confess what came to mind was, you're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> but I'm sure, I am absolutely sure that's not what we're supposed to learn from our readings from Isaiah <laughs> or Luke. So what do we learn? What do we learn about God and about ourselves and these very different stories of God calling Isaiah and Jesus calling Simon, John, and James. Well, first we learn that God calls people as they go about daily lives. God doesn't wait for you to go up on a mountaintop and whisper something in your ear, though he might. If you think about it, Moses was out tending sheep when he saw that burning bush that did not burn up. Isaiah, we read about, he was at church. Last week we read about Jeremiah. He was called when he was just a boy. And you remember old Saul of Tarsus was, he was just going about his work about, you know, persecuting Christians business when he had that blinding surprise on the Damascus Road that, that did a whole lot more than change his name from Saul to Paul. Simon, James, and John, well, they were, they were at the end of a fruitless all-night shift on their fishing boats when Jesus borrowed Simon's boat for a sermon. Well, God might surprise you too as you go about your daily life. Though it helps if you're like Moses, you know, really paying attention. What, if, what do you reckon would have happened if Moses hadn't seen the burning bush? You know, he was looking at his cell phone or something instead. <laughs> Second thing we learn, the right way to respond to God's call is obedience. Well, I mentioned Paul's unique, unique Damascus Road experience. You probably recall that part of the ninth chapter of Acts, but do you remember Ananias? Ananias was one of the Damascus followers of Jesus. He had a vision, and in that vision, God told Ananias, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the home of house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Paul. At this moment, he is praying. 
Well, Ananias essentially told God, Lord, are you sure about that? This, this is a really bad guy. He's got authority to haul me back to Jerusalem. You sure? And God said that Paul is, is my chosen instrument. So Ananias obeyed, going to Saul, laying hands on him, greeting him, saying, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So God calls us to overcome our fears and to overcome our hesitations and obey. You remember that little conversation that Jesus and Simon had after the sermon? When Jesus finished speaking, he said, Simon, Put out in the deep water. Lay down your net for a catch. And you remember he had two, a two-part response. First, he, he told them that, oh, we've been working all night. We ain't caught nothing. There's no fishing today, right? So first he gave the dismal report, and then he followed that with obedience. If you say so, I will let down the nets. Well, when they had done this, they caught so many fish, you, well, you know the rest. They were catching so much, they're about to sink. So that's the other part. When you obey, be prepared for success. The third thing I think we can learn is that one barrier to our answering God's call is our inner feelings of inadequacy, guilt, or fear that somehow we'll fail, that we won't know what to say, we won't know what to do. I'm no good at this. You remember what Isaiah said? Whoa, it's me, I'm lost. A man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. But then in that vision, he was touched by a burning coal and told, your guilt is departed, your sin is blotted out. So knowing that he was forgiven, Isaiah was able to respond to God's call saying, here am I, send me. Like Isaiah, Simon Peter was overwhelmed with his feeling unworthy. He saw the massive catch of so many fish and the boat's about to sink, it's so full. And he fell down at Jesus' knees and you wouldn't think he'd say, oh, thank you for all this fish, this is really gonna help my income and, and suffer this month, although we'll have to clean some of it. <laughs> He didn't. He fell down and said, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. Well, that is exactly who is called to do God's work in this world. Sinful people. Far from perfect. Like Isaiah, like Simon Peter, like you and like me. The fourth thing is that Responding to God's call calls for commitment, lifetime commitment. You know, when your subscription to something runs out, whether it's a newspaper or a magazine or Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever, they usually send you kind of a range of commitments for a few dollars a month, you can keep going, or in some cases, hundreds of dollars a year. But sometimes you get a little discount if you subscribe to something for three years. 
But that's not the way it is with God's call. God calls us to commit, not just for life, but forever. When Jesus called Simon, James, and John, they were all in. You think about it. They left behind their boats. They left behind those boatloads of fish. They left their security. They left their old lives. They were all in. Are you ready to go all in? Now the fifth thing that we learn from these stories is that Almighty God is bigger, more powerful, more gracious, more loving, more than our little brains can even begin to imagine. As we read in the third chapter of Ephesians, God is the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly, far more than all we can ask or imagine. So when you accept the call to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, be prepared. You may be in for a bumpy ride with a lot of surprises. But one thing is for sure. If you're going fishing with Jesus, you're going to need a bigger boat. Thanks be to God. Do not be afraid to put out into deep water because we are not alone. The faithful and steadfast love of God is with us, so let down your nets and expect abundance. Now go forth, filled with the love of God, strengthened by the Holy Spirit, and giving thanks for the call of Christ. Amen.